All right, I hope you're keeping cool out there. I think I'm ready to do the thing. Let's go do the thing. Let's do the thing. Let's do the thing. Let's do the thing. Here we go. <laughs> ah, I love it. I just got in under the tag, you guys. Like, that that was crazy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Sandwich Show. I'm, I'm Dave Bedini. You also know me as Davey's Eating a Sandwich on uh, the many different social media platforms. I hope you're doing well out there. And uh, we're doing a sandwich quarter tonight. And uh, we're going to have a little, we're going to have a good time. Like, uh, we have John come, joining us. We have... Uh, we have Mike in North Jersey joining us. Andy is on assignment, tackling the holes, the, tackling the night, tackling the holes tonight, and I'm, I'm real, I mean tackling the uh, the greens tonight. So let's get to. Well, we're glad to have um, have them both then. Uh, so let me just go just take a minute just to get everybody on the Zoom call, and then we should be good to go for our um, for our Open Championship recap. Which, um, well, I mean, let's be honest, it was not what we hoped it would be. Pretty damn decisive uh, finish, but I do have to give a lot of credit to um, the winner this year, Brian Harmon. Is someone actually? I've, I'm a bit of a Brian Harmon mongo, I will admit. I know that's not an opinion shared by the panel, <laughs> but more by the entire panel anyway. And it's fine. Like I, I, I kind of get it. Um, but you know, it's all good. You know, get get on him. He did really well. His tee shots were fantastic. He got out of trouble in the, in the third round. Good stuff. So let's go introduce our panel, and uh, we're going to start here. Make sure everything looks right first. There we go. Oh, wow. Look at that. First try. I got it all in the first try. Um, first, we say hello to Mike in North Jersey. Mike, it's great to see you again. How's it going this evening? Doing pretty well, Dave. Uh, thanks for having me on, and I hope that you two likewise are doing well. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Mike. I don't now... I am doing well, except for the fact that this year's thing's not up. Why is your thing not up? Give me a second here. Oh, there you go. Got it back up. Okay, great. But yeah, uh, all in all, good. I'm just nursing this injury that I've had. I, I pulled a, I think I pulled either a calf muscle or an Achilles tendon or something like that because I've been, I haven't been able to walk very well for the last two weeks. But other than that, I'm doing pretty well. And uh, on to John. John, welcome back to the show. How's it going tonight? Thanks, Dave, for having us back. Yeah, I hope you guys are doing well. Um, can't imagine there's going to be a lot of juice with the show tonight. Maybe it won't be very long because there wasn't much juice to this tournament. But, hey, it's live sports. You can't always get an epic classic in every, everything you watch. And that's what Andy always says, and he's completely right about that. Yeah, and and, yeah. It's, and, and one thing I thought it was interesting, that I was actually remarking this to some other friends, like, on Sunday. I'm like, is it is it you just me or is it or does the open championship seem to be more prone to this than other majors? I'm not exactly sure if that's just in my head or what, but um but you're right. It's it'll we'll, have, we'll make the most of it. We should still have a good time. And Andy has some quick hitters too, which I'm going to play after we do the the recap from 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 the two of you. So I'll get that I'll get that organized and I'll get that played for for everybody in a moment. Mike, first of all, I love the synergy of your backdrop. You also have I, it might even be the same exact hole. <laughs> the fact that's the backdrop of of the uh, of the of my OBS tonight. Like you have uh, Masters. Is that the what hole is that? Is that the twelfth? It has to be. You are correct, Dave. This is the twelfth hole at Augusta National, 
and uh, I figured before our last get together, I chose what I thought was a topical um, background, <laughs> and this too is a topical background because I found out uh, during the British Open uh-huh. that I w- have not been selected for tickets oh. in the Masters lottery for about the fourteenth year in a row. Oh, um, I don't know, like m- my second cousin, who I think John actually met once at that UConn football game many years ago. He's gotten tickets in a Masters lottery like three times. I don't know how he does it. Maybe I'm like shadow banned or something for making like a, uh, an, I don't know, offensive tweet or two over the years. I don't know. Or perhaps it's just the odds are not in my favor. But unfortunately, I will not be attending the Masters this year outside of some uh, unexpected developments coming up. Oh, that is that stinks. I'm so sorry about that. That's the wrong tradition unlike any other. I mean, we don't need that. We gotta break that. We gotta break well, Dave, that. Uh, Dave, I think that line probably got you onto the ban list too. So <laughs> tread carefully. Yeah, it's probably too late for me anyway. It's all right. It's all good. It's all good. So yeah, let's let's make the most of this. So we have. I mean, again, like I said, not much to. We didn't even have juice in like the third round. It was just. It was crazy. Like it really all happened on Friday, Mike. Right? I mean. You kind of, you know, it was kind of a, you know, you had some, you had people, different people in the lead on, on in, in the first round um, at Royal Liverpool. And then you wake up on, on um, well, at least over here in the West Coast, you wake up and you find out that Brian Harmer is just like, just killing it on the course. And by the end of the afternoon, for many of us, he was way ahead. And then, you know, he did have some trouble on the third round to start. It could have even been the final. I'm not sure which round it was, but. He definitely had some bogeys to start. He got out of it, and then that was pretty much it. Like, uh, you know, it, it was, it was a great. It was, he did a great job. Great job out of him. So I'm not really gonna add more to that. Mike, I'm gonna give it to you. You're, you're, what are your thoughts on Brian Harmon's journey? You know, he's always in the mix in a lot of PGA events. So it's, it's interesting to see that. And when I say in the mix, I mean like decent, like decent. You know, like maybe top 25 finish or something like that. But, um, so he's always been around. You know. Um, let's get your thoughts on, on Brian Harmon's, uh, championship. So, um, to take a step back on his career here, um, if you go back to 2017, they had the Wells Fargo championship, not at Quail Hollow, but at Eagle Point in Wilmington, North Carolina, which was a tremendous venue. It was difficult. Um, the winning score was 10 under par. And Brian Harmon is coming down the stretch looking to uh, he's in the mix with Dustin Johnson, who at that time had won, I believe, three consecutive tournaments. He was at the absolute height of his powers. And Harmon at the time was ranked, I don't know, somewhere around 30th in the world or something. And, you know, he has a very scrappy final round. And what he does is on the 18th hole, he sinks a 25 uh, foot birdie putt to beat Dustin Johnson. And when that happened, there was some rump there were rumblings amongst the golf community that, you know what? No one was expecting him to become a big star or anything, but as a under the radar pick in major championships and whatnot, his name started to get some traction. Then for whatever reason, his career fell off for a few years. He dropped outside of the top 100 in the world. Um, You know, obviously that entails his results, which were nowhere near as good, but over the last, um, over the last year or two, he started to climb his way back up a bit quietly. He hasn't won. He hadn't won an event since that 2017 Wells Fargo, but he had gotten himself up to, I think, 24th in the world before last week. He was in relatively good form. He had a few top tens coming into this. 
And look, the, the guy's known for being a really good putter, and that's really what, you know, won him the day. If you look at the strokes gained over the first two rounds, he gained over four strokes gained to the field in each of those rounds putting. He was 58 out of 59 from inside 10 feet. I mean, that's like something you see in a video game. You're not supposed to do that. Um, And the only one he missed, the tournament was out of hand by that. So he was literally perfect from inside 10 feet uh, while it mattered in this event. I think there's really three key parts of this tournament to talk about with regards to Brian Harmon. The first would be that four uh, straight birdie stretch on Friday. Because if you look at that, all of his putts were from 18 feet or more that he made, with the exception of the birdie on the par five, which he was able to get up and down from the rough in order to make that birdie. So that was just a ridiculous putting performance. And then he caps it off with the eagle on 18, which was also not a short putt. So he has the large lead going into Saturday. And on Saturday, he comes out. And he bogeys one and four. He's looking shaky. But what does he do? He birdies five, gets his feet under him, plays steady the rest of the round, has a solid back nine. And meanwhile, Tommy Fleetwood, who is the closest one to him, can't do anything. Kind of does what we almost expect Tommy Fleetwood to do now, which is to not perform at his best in a big spot. Sunday, similar sort of thing happens. He bogeys two. On three, he gets very fortunate. Three is the hole where the whole right side is out of bounds. He hits his second shot about a foot from the out of bounds on the right. He's in this very tall, wispy grass. And what does he do? He gets himself up and down from that. That ball could have gone anywhere. He could have sculled that over the green. He could have whiffed on it and left it in that tall grass. But he makes par there. Now, he makes another bogey after that on the par five where he hits his ball into the bush and he has to take an unplayable, but he gets out of there with bogey. But then what does he do? He birdies the next two holes, gets himself back to even, and he steady steadies things out. Um, you know, I, I, I sent a message to someone that, oh, it's on the verge of getting interesting when it got knocked down to three, and then he immediately got it the lead back to five strokes. So... It was very in, and then you know, um, Cam Young, who was his closest pursuer, didn't have anything either to really push him on that day, and everyone else was too far behind. So, l- listen, it was a very impressive performance. From I mean, listen, a lot of it was the greens and how how often can you make that many putts? Probably not that often, but still, give him credit. He sunk everything the first two days, and then. When he was in a position he had never been in before, um, where he did have some margin to work with, when it looked like things might start, uh, might be getting away from him, he was able to respond and get himself back on track. So, you know, listen, impressive job by him. Um, you know, it, it really, a lot of a lot of guys, if they get to a moment like that, they'll wilt. He did not wilt. He was, he was able to face adversity. Um, and persevere through it. So, listen, very good job by him. Um, I think Lee Westwood made this comment, and I think it's true. Uh, it's the way things are. If Rory McIlroy had won this event by six strokes, we would be, oh, my God, what, a, what an incredible performance. Same thing for Scheffler, same thing for John Rahm, same thing for Brooks Kepka. But we're not going to say that about Brian Harmon. Now, look, that, that's probably somewhat unfair, but just in terms of juice and whatnot, um, 
yeah, it, it lacks a little bit. But a very impressive performance. Um, I think that will lock him up a Ryder Cup spot. Well-deserved. He'll, he, he'll actually be very valuable because Europe, Ryder Cup's in Italy this year. The big advantage they really have is that they can set up the course to try to uh, effectuate it towards the, the home side's games. So Europe always sets up the course very narrow, very high rough because the U.S. usually is uh, full of bombers. Brian Harmon will be someone who you set it up like that. That's going to work for him. So uh, good job by him. Uh, it's a nice career-defining win, uh, something that, you know, you're, nev- you're never going to be able to take away from him. So very impressive performance. Yeah, it really is. Like, I, I know that he's been pretty solid for, like, always. You know, I was like, oh, it's only a matter of time before he wins, like, a regular event. Seeing him win a major is pretty remarkable. So, uh, John, let's give it to you for your thoughts on Brian Harmon's win. Yeah, uh, Mike did a nice job there. Really not too much more to add. I mean, he had been playing very well in the last, um, even just the last month or so. He'd been kind of building up uh, to this performance. I mean, he always plays well with the Travelers, but that kind of, like, was a, um, you know, ignition for his game turning around. Like, he finished second there. Like, he had, like, 66 basically in every round or better. Um, at the Travelers, and he kept it going in Detroit, and then he even played really well at the Scottish Open. He's just his putter kind of let him down on the weekend, even though um, we could barely see any of that tournament. Maybe we can get to that later on in the in the show. Um, but you know, he'd been playing very well now here for a month. So if you had told me before the week like Brian Harmon's going to win, I would I would have said you were completely crazy because. You know, one thing that we've learned about Open Championships, it's just it, it kind of caters to the, um, I'm going to say older player. Because remember, you know, Tom Watson almost won. He was almost 60 years old. And we've had Darren Clark win. We've had, you know, all these kind of older guys contend. And, you know, guys, it's not always about, like, distance, like bomb and gobs. It's about, like, precision and how you um, can get up and down with your short game and your putting. And that's exactly, you know, Harmon's game. Like, he's very accurate. He's great with his short game. And then, obviously, he put – you know, the putting together this week, making all those putts. And it was just a, a recipe for, you know, a dominant performance. And, um, you know, to have the lead for basically, you know, for, you know, two and a half days, because when we got up on Friday morning, he had already like made his run and he's 10 under and he has like a five shot lead. So to have the lead from then, like all the way through the weekend, just extremely impressive. Um, you know, and the fact you know, he played in, you know, he got a good end of the draw on Friday because the weather really, really turned kind of towards in the middle of the day. And then later in the afternoon, like guys were dropping like a rock. And, he, you know, he had posted that score and, um, you know, he was in the clubhouse and, nothing, you know, no one was really going to challenge that. So that was huge to have that advantage going into the weekend. And um, as Mike said, like every time that he faced a, just a little adversity, he bounced right back with, with birdies and, um yeah, I mean, a very, very impressive win. Do I think he's going to win another major? Probably not, unless it's set up. Again, like he can win another Open Championship for sure. But the way like PGA Championship and U.S. Open are, are set up in the Masters, they're just such long courses that tend to cater towards like the longest hitters on tour. Like that's definitely, definitely not him. Um, but yeah, he's you know your typical like top. 30 player on the, on the FedEx cup every year. And, you know, he finally broke through with this great, you know, short game and putting performance. And he's just, um, you know, I hate Azinger keeps calling him like a bulldog or a gritty gutty player, but I mean, that's just kind of, um, you know, typecasting him, but 
it's kind of true. Like he just he just wasn't going to give up or give in uh, with anything, and just showed a lot of, um, you know, a lot of fortitude and and not you know wilting like a lot of players would in that position. So kudos to him, and yeah, definitely you won't be able to take away this performance from him. One hundred percent. So uh, we will get into the rest of the field in just a moment, but first let's get Andy's thoughts. He sends these thoughts to us via the voicemail. So let's see what we have from Andy on on both the Harmon and then the tournament at large. Here we are. Oh, okay. Let me see if I can play it. See, I knew this is an interesting message format, so let's see if I can play it this way. One second, everybody. Okay, here we go. A couple thoughts on the Open from the past weekend. Uh, very blah, very ho-hum. Nothing inspiring, nothing dramatic. Everything from the course to the coverage to the winner. Hats off to Brian Harmon for making the event rather boring and dull uh he might be shorter than our pal rko but he did what he needed to do to make the event incredibly blah and if the fiddles of the world love no emotion no 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 drama no juice everything robotic well maybe fiddle become a brian Harmon fan because he was very robotic no emotion Everything from that horrendous pre-shot routine looked like a broken robot. But there was nothing compelling about the tournament. Maybe John and Mike will find some things to unearth, and I'll listen to it. Uh, the course, there's nothing special about it. I know in 2006, the course was brown. Tiger won it, and... 2014 when Rory won it so that I get it everyone's gonna know Royal Liverpool Hoylake the Beatles but there's nothing memorable about that course maybe 17 18's okay but am I gonna have my grandkids on my lap 50 years from now and be like, I remember when Brian Harmon won the 2023 British Open. I remember exactly where I was. The answer is no. And uh, Paul Azinger is a complete clown. That's the base. That's basically it. I don't have much to add. If I wasn't a gambling degenerate, I would have turned that thing off at 9 a.m. West Coast time. And rather disappointing major season, in my opinion. Wyndham Clark, Brian fucking Harmon. Uh, the first two with Kepka and Rom. That was that's nice, but just do better, do better golf season, do better. I'm on to the 3M Open, and I'm on to the FedEx playoffs. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go indeed. Thank you, Andy, for your thoughts. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not arguing with any of that. Like that's that's true. Like some of these majors have been. We we talked extensively about how disappointed the U.S. Open was too. So having them back to back, and then having NBC do them back to back too, just kind of a lesser thing, but still pretty significant. And just all around, just like two, like just a run of like two disappointing majors in in a row. Um, so we'll get to the rest of the field. We'll get into the course. Um, I don't know how you want to tackle that. If you want to do the course thoughts into your like rest of the field segment, that's fine. Or we could just do it as a separate thing. 
But I'm gonna give it to you first, Mike. Uh, your thoughts on everybody again? What are we gonna talk about? Like everybody was way back. I don't know what else we can really say, but Mike, if you have any thoughts as far as the other players in the field uh, this weekend, uh, I'll give you the floor. I guess I'll touch on the course first. Um, Andy's right. It's not memorable. Uh, it's not visually spectacular. It, it, it doesn't have this wow factor that many of the Lynx courses do, whether it's in terms of them brushing the seaside, uh, whether it's something like St. Andrews, where it literally starts and begins like literally in a middle of a town. Um, but I, I will say this, though. It, it is a very, very, very good challenge for the professional game, even if it doesn't take your breath away. It's just the location of the bunkers, the way they play, the angles and whatnot. It, it really, it, it, it's a complete examination. Um, so, look, it, it shouldn't leave the rota. Um, it won't. Um, there's definitely more visually exciting places that they go to, but just in terms of the pure challenge that it offers, it's a good venue. Um, let's see. Rest of the field. Who should we bring up first? Let's see. Um, I guess we can talk about Rory McElroy with yet another, uh, not, not a, I mean, it was a backdoor top 10 kind, although he, he was sort of in the top 10, but he was never really within, Striking range, which disappointing. Uh, th this is now seven out of the last eight majors he's finished. I think at seventh or better. But you know, over the weekend he was really too far back. But he starts off both Saturday and Sunday with uh, strong starts, but then he can't make a putt, and then the wedge starts to get cold, and not much that he could do there. Um, John Rahm, he had the great 63 on Saturday, but he was just too far out of it to really seriously make a run because, you know, you're not going to shoot 63 two days in a row, which is, I mean, I guess in theory you could, but you don't, uh, doesn't happen all that often. Tommy Fleetwood, I touched on again. Now, look, I, I know he's carrying a lot, a lot of pressure, uh, to, you know, just to win in general, to win the open and specifically to win an open championship on the Northwest coast of England, where he's from. Um, it's a lot of weight to handle, but that being said, forget all that in the Canadian open, he hit some absolutely horrendous shots that a touring professional should not hit down the stretch. And in that playoff, that guy gets tight. And it's a little bit sad to say, cause he seems like a nice guy. He's likable, but when the pressure's on, he's, He's got to figure out a way to deal with it better because right now he doesn't and his career is not going to amount to what it should unless he figures that out in a hurry. And, you know, gun to my head, he probably won't. You kind of are what you are after a while uh, in this game. You know, it's something we haven't discussed. What the hell is wrong with Justin Thomas? He's got, he He's terrible right now. He's not going to make the FedEx Cup. He he shot 81 or 82 the first day. Uh, you know, he imploded at the mass. He, he's just been horrendous. Now, I'm guessing he has some sort of lingering injury because this would just be a stunning fall for a guy who, ever since he's gone, uh, gotten on tour, has been one of the most prolific winners out there. Uh, what does he have, 19, 20 wins? 
and he's only been out full time since what 2015. You know what? That in today's game, that that's a it's a pretty good run, but he was just completely non-competitive again. And there's no way. I I, I know he's like one of the guys. There's no way you can put him on the Ryder Cup team right now. Absolutely not. Unless uh, I don't know if he's planning on playing any of these next two weeks. Unless he wins like two events. Maybe one could even get him on, but unless he does something like that, he can't be on the Ryder Cup team. Um, I did see one uh, funny tidbit when I was going over the scores. John Daly beat Dustin Johnson. Now, that doesn't entirely shock me because when I saw Dustin Johnson at the beginning of this year, he looked 15 to 20 pounds heavier. When we saw him on um, the last swing, the, the Netflix documentary, he, it just clearly seemed like he was sort of okay with what he's accomplished in golf and just wanted to get paid. Well, you know what? Listen, that's his prerogative. He doesn't have any teammates. So if, um, if that's what he would like, wants to do with his career, that's what he can do. But it seems like going to live has sort of, uh, hurt his competitive juices. Kepka didn't do much, but look, you know, it's hard to win more than one major in a year so. We'll give him a pass here. Um, anyone else I want to specify? Uh, you know, Bryson DeChambeau, after he had had a stretch of terrible results on Live Golf, where he was finishing near the bottom of uh, the fields, had really started to pick it up again, but he didn't do much here either. Uh, anyone else particularly disappointing? Colin Morikawa, I thought this course could work out for him a little bit but he missed the cut. He didn't do anything. Um, one person I will give it to as a nice story here was um, Alex Fitzpatrick, who, when he got Matt Fitzpatrick's younger brother, because when he, it was announced that he was going to be able to play in the Zurich classic, the team event in new Orleans, there was a lot of uproar about that. Like he doesn't deserve it. And why are we taking away a spot? Which listen, there's, there's a good amount of validity to that. But, you know, he's gone out, he qualified for the U.S. Open, and he was in the mix for a top 10 at the Open Championship. So, you know what? It seems like he has a little bit of game on uh, on his own right. So, we'll be keeping an eye on him. Uh, anyone else that I wanted to talk about? Let me quickly get this here. Sepp Straka, um, after winning the John Deere, backed it up with another solid performance. I like his game. Um, when when he's really clicking, he can do some damage. He won uh, the Honda Classic, which that it, it doesn't have the greatest field anymore, but that's a very, very exacting sort of uh, course. It's really going to test you. You can't get away with um, being a little bit off there. so. Uh, he, he's one to keep an eye on and he should be on the European Ryder cup team. I would assume, I don't see how he couldn't be, um, be Austrian. Um, Cameron Young, he was by far the leader this week in strokes gain T to green, but his putting was absolutely horrendous. Um, you know, after a very promising 2022, he had kind of tailed off a bit. This year, there was something where he was using a different ball. Now he's back using the old ball, and the results seem to uh, 
and be coming back. But the way he can hit the ball, he's someone um, to keep an eye on. And that's now two open championships in a row where he's been right in the mix. So he's definitely someone to have on your short list for potential major winners for next year. That's a quite a comprehensive list. Uh, thanks, Mike, for breaking that all down. Like that's that's pretty awesome. Like it it's it does really cover. I, I agree with Straka too. Like that was pretty solid, pretty good stuff. So let's go over to uh, John. John, let's get your thoughts on the on the field and the course. You can go that in any order you wish, as far as which one you want to do first. Yeah, not much to say about the course. Um, although I could be wrong about this, but when they first played it in 06 with Tiger, like he really was like. Far, far under par, if I believe, if I'm correct, right? It was like 18 or 19 under or something. Like, I obviously it was a long time ago, but I remember it being like a, a huge birdie fest. Um, and then the scoring was a little bit lower when McElroy won. And then obviously this week there wasn't a ton of, um, you know, there was a couple of low individual rounds, but still like, you know, minus four, minus five, and you're in the top, you know, top 10, which is what it should be for a major championship. Um, I did like the change to the, to the 17th hole. I think that little par three, I thought that was pretty neat. And then they were able to lengthen 18. You had the whole out of bounds down the right side. So those are a couple neat holes. But other than that, I mean, nothing really stands out. Um, that 17th hole, like if there's no wind, it's pretty easy. And it's kind of hilarious because every person you saw on Sunday was like hitting the green to like, you know, 10 to 15 feet. And then Tommy Fleetwood, they show Right here, here we here's Tommy Fleetwood on 17. He's literally in the desert, 30 yards behind the green, and somehow <laughs> made a six. Just it was just a tough scene there for Tommy. But um, yeah, that uh, transition into the the field, um, completely agree. Like Fleetwood is just he seems like a great guy, but he just he's a huge choker on the weekends, um, you know, and in PGA slash majors, and his putting is just horrific. Like they should. He had at least six to eight makeable birdie putts on Sunday, and he just missed every single one of them. And then, of course, he makes one in 18 when it really, you know, doesn't really matter at that point. But, um, yeah, he, he's definitely got to change something about his the way he prepares mentally or, or what he does before these majors because it, it's just not working out for him at the moment. Um, yeah, none of the big names truly contended. I mean, yeah, Rom had his, his low round to, to get in the mix. But, again, you know, you're not going to be able to back that up two days in a row. You thought Rory might have had some a little bit of juice on Sunday, but he couldn't really get anything going after his early um, his few early birdies. And then other than that, none of the big names are really up there at all. Uh, Hovland had a very disappointing Sunday. Scheffler didn't do anything until the final round. He had a, he had a nice round, so um, nothing at all really from the from the top of the top of the board, which is kind of surprising because you look at past opens, like usually it's all the big names are right there at the top and. You know, you didn't expect to see like uh, Brian Harmon and then, you know, Tom Kim, Sepp Straka. Um, I guess Jason Day had been playing well. And Rom did finish second. But in terms of like, you'd expect to have more big names up there on the leaderboard um, in the top 10. But yeah, I agree on uh, Straka. Like this guy, like he, he's just so hot and cold. Like, honestly, I bet him to win the 3M Open this week because he's playing. His odds came out at 35 to 1, like which was really surprising to me. I thought he would be like in the 20s because when he gets hot like this with his irons and putting, he just keeps it going um, for weeks. And then like he'll he'll crash and he'll suck again for a few weeks. But um, when he's really dialed in, um, you know, not too many people can can get on a roll like he can. And he he really could have done better. Like he missed some short putts, uh, but his iron game is just really on point um, at the moment. So I, I feel like, you know, the only thing is, you know, 
traveling back to the States and jet lag and, you know, kind of being in contention, the whole thing, but whatever, you know, for those odds, we'll take a chance on him to, to keep playing well this week in Minnesota. Um, the other nice kind of feel good story up there um, was uh, Matthew Jordans, the Liverpool member who qualified and then ended up finishing in the top 10. And he really played well. I mean, if you look at the stats, like he was, it wasn't a fluke. Like he had a really good tournament. So that's like, you know, if we don't hear from the guy again, he's a European tour player, but if we don't hear from him again, like that's like the crowning achievement of his career, like a top 10 at your home course in the open. I mean, you really can't do much, uh, you know, much more than that. I mean, that was just a, a terrific, terrific performance. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really, it might kind of touch some of the guys that were like disappointing, making, missing the cut. Yeah, John Daly beat Dustin Johnson. He also beat Justin Thomas the first round anyway. Um, I, I don't know. I think wow. Thomas is just like a head case at the moment. Like he just, yeah, he is playing this week at the 3M to try to get into the top 70 for the FedEx Cup playoffs. He'll probably play next week too at Wyndham if he, he misses the cut here. But at some point, it's just maybe he just needs to take some time off. Like he's not in any danger of losing his tour card or anything. So just, you know, reset and just come back for, for next year. Um, just, you know, very, very surprising how poor poorly he's been playing. But, um, yeah, but of course he, he did just well enough on Friday to ruin my five leg three ball parlay, <laughs> beating Victor Hovland by one shot, even to one over par. So that was great. So thanks. Thanks for that. At oh, least JT. No. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, really not much more to add in terms of some of these other, other guys that, uh, that, you know, really just didn't have their eight games this week. And maybe it's the culmination of just kind of all these tournaments like back to back and. Um, you know, the big tournaments, you know, like in the summer with the designated events and whatnot and just kind of caught up to everybody, but it just, you know, just kind of worked out that way. Um, yeah, I guess we didn't, I hadn't seen this guy, uh, Shubanka Sharma's name in about six years. The last time I saw him was world golf championship in Mexico years ago. He was like the third round leader and hadn't heard from him since until this weekend. So good for him, I guess, to get his name <laughs> back on the leaderboard. But um, yeah, that was definitely a, a, a name I did not expect to see. So yeah, um, it's pretty much the recap of, of a lot of the players that were kind of interesting over the weekend. A big, big time kudos to both of you for, for coming for, for, for giving us the rundown of all that. Cause like that's, it's not the easiest thing to do when you have like such a runaway leaderboard, right? So uh, it's pretty good stuff. And uh, you know, I I love where you're coming from. Like the angles are great. Um, yeah, didn't JT like hose Andy too on some level, like in the first round too? Like it's it it, it seemed like it was a rough weekend just for everybody. It just that's a tough spot. So yeah, that really sucks. Okay, so Mike, um, I, I mean, we don't have a lot to really get into as far as the television broadcast or the media coverage. Although I think you did make the point though mike that the that the shot tracker is a much improved for the open this year so that's pretty cool so uh feel free to get your thoughts on the media uh yeah a few few things on that um look the, the positive takeaway uh on the coverage of the open is that if you have peacock you can watch in theory from the first shot to the last shot the problem is, and this is re you're really starting to see this on Twitter, is that people or X, excuse me, it's X, it's X, it's X, X. <laughs> you know, apparently Zuckerberg oh. has a uh, patent on that, but we'll see how that. Plays out. Don't even... Did you see that? 
They were trying to remove the Twitter bird logo from the Twitter headquarters in San Francisco, and they didn't have the work permit to do it, so the police showed up and stopped them. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. um, What uh, a shit show, though, Mike. Anyway, uh, carry on. I'm sorry. He's sending out Zeets soon. You know, that's why I guess that's what they're calling them at this point. It's horrific. Are you guys on threads yet? I would recommend I, that. I, I am, but the way it works, it's just like, I don't know. It looked pointless because you can't like, you can't see like a feed and then it like randomly puts things in there that they think you like. So it's just, it, it sounds. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I struggle with that too. A little bit too much Facebook in there. <laughs> it's basically, well, the thing is it forces you to link up with your Instagram and I've now gone active on Instagram after having a burner. So I don't necessarily want people that I like actually know seeing what i'm doing on threads and me mm-hmm. you know tweeting out or uh, sending out mongo like messages during sporting events when <laughs> gambling events don't work out so yeah i mean anyway where was I? okay the coverage mm-hmm. so what you're seeing is that people are finding creative ways to be able to watch the sky sports feed uh broadcast in britain and they just have so much fewer commercials. They don't have all this playing through stuff and it's not making NBC look good. The problem with the NBC broadcast really for this event is just the amount of commercials can be staggering. There's times where you see like three golf shots, commercial five golf shots, commercial, and it's too much. Um, The issues that we talked about in the last uh, broadcast are still there which is that instead of being like this sort of it's just the chemistry between the announcers is lacking. You don't get that sense that everyone is sort of, uh, you know, sitting around a room watching the tournament and enjoying each other's company. You just, you don't get that. Everyone is very much by the book static and doing their own thing. Um, There was one interesting wrinkle though. We saw Nick Faldo. He made an appearance with Mike Tirico briefly for a couple of days, which um, was nice to see. It would have been nice if they just could have kept them there and, you know, I don't know, maybe put a few uh, high tension wires in front of Paul Azinger's path to the booth <laughs> so he would trip the ball so it wouldn't have to be subjected to him. But, um, uh, yeah. but that does go to show that because Nick Faldo was very, very emotional in his last CBS broadcast. And we did hear that he talked to them and he wanted to only do a part-time schedule and they said no. So you can clearly see with what Faldo was doing that he did not want to retire full-time. He just wanted to, you know, cut back the schedule and he really didn't have a choice. Uh, He's doing some stuff for Sky Sports in addition. So I don't know. I I guess we'll see him in the open championship for who knows. It seems like he struck up a deal with that. So that's good. Um, but yeah, listen, there's a lot of coverage, but is the coverage itself great? No, it, it could be a lot better. Um, speaking of the 3M Open coming up this week, I have a feeling that, you know how they always have that pointless CEO segment uh, in every event? Well, 3M last month paid out $10 billion over pollu- for polluting several water systems and uh, putting cancer-causing agents in the water. Somehow, I don't think Jim Nance is going to bring that up to the CEO of uh, 
CEO of 3M during the, you know, uh, the softball interview, which they do. I, you know, I, I don't understand. See, if I ran one of those companies, I would decline to do the interview. And I would just say, look, here's what I want you to do. Just say that Michael Lynch has declined to do the interview. He wants uh, us to be focused on the golf before us. I think that would bring so much more goodwill than hearing the canned lines, the phony charity bits that they're doing, all this stuff that everyone just looks at and it's just like, who cares? I don't want to hear this. Can I watch the golf, please? I don't know why someone hasn't thought of that. If you're watching and you think of that, please give me a cut on your salary for next year because it is a good idea. It really is. So well, um, next year, when you know when uh, Liv's involved, be like, so we're here with the Crown Prince, uh, and so t- tell me your tell me your thoughts on uh, you, know, uh, you know Jim interviewing the Crown Prince uh, next year. But anyway, I think. I don't know. I'd be shocked if Nance is doing this tournament. I bet it's Andrew Catalan, and then we'll get Nance for next week, and then the FedEx playoffs because CBS actually has the FedEx Cup playoffs this year, so we do not have to listen to Paul Isinger again until next March. Thank, thankfully, that that is a terrific development. Yeah, I like that too. I think I'm in favor. So, uh, John, anything you want to add as far as media coverage? Yeah, no, uh, Mike hit it all. I, I did make the point about the shot tracker, and I could be wrong. I didn't think they had this last year um, for the Open. Um, their app was kind of behind the other majors. I mean, nothing will touch the Masters, but it was always a little bit better than um, the PGA Championship um, in the U.S. Open. But they added the, the like the virtual shot tracker this year, where you could see, you know, on the you know where the ball is going landing on the course and how far away it is, and it definitely added something even more to the to the coverage um, of, of following the action. So as, you know, us who like to, to wager on it, it was, you know, good and frustrating at the same time that you could see exactly where every group's ball was um, during the during the event. You know, the Holy Grail would be the Masters where you get every camera on every player, but obviously it's a little different where, you know, there's only, what, 75 players were here. You have a full 156 going from, you know, they tee off at 6 a.m. British time, and they the last group is 4 o'clock in the afternoon British time. So it's a quite a big production to go through that. But, you know, certainly uh, won't, won't complain about what we were given this year in terms of the, you know, the technology online. Right on. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's good stuff. And, yeah, that, that was definitely a great job of you bringing that up, bringing that up, John. And, and I think that's a, that's it. That's all we have is for the open. If any of you want to add anything from from the open, that's that's fine. But uh, in meanwhile, I'm just gonna. Other than that, Mike, I'll give it to you for the road ahead. You mentioned the FedEx playoff coming up, and then a few other events. Uh, some of them will probably be more interesting than others. And and uh, Mike, uh, by the way, if they ever they they, I think you're. They think that that could be a definite career move, like becoming a media consultant, Mike. Like that was pretty solid advice, actually. That's pretty pretty solid right there. But anyway, um, your thoughts on the week wrote in the word ahead for, for for pro golf? Yeah, so as we've alluded to, we have the three M Open in Minnesota this week. Look, let's be honest, not much juice there. Um, I like Wyndham though. Wyndham is the week afterwards. Um, you got guys who are trying to get into the FedEx Cup playoffs. It's this old Donald Ross course in North Carolina, which sort of winds through, and it wasn't designed as like a 
you know, housing development course. They didn't have those ideas back then, but it's sort of like winds through a neighborhood and, you know, there's a lot of undulating greens and stuff. And it's just, you know, it looks like a nice place to play golf. So I, I do enjoy that tournament. You got a couple things going on. Um, FedEx Cup, you know, the first round is now in Memphis, Tennessee at TPC Southwind, which if not a spectacular venue, architecturally speaking, is usually a very good challenge. Although, you know, it can, listen, it can be so humid then that things can get very soft, but it normally is a, you know, a tough, 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 if uh, yet fair test for the uh, pro players. I think after that, it's Olympia Fields uh, outside of Chicago, which is, if you hear rumblings, they're sort of trying to audition themselves for a major championship slot. Because I think the last time they had an event there, the winning score was only five or six under par. So uh, they were looking for a U.S. Open. I, I don't know if they're going to get one with how full the U.S. Open schedule is basically for the next 25 years. Um, and then tour championship in Atlanta. And then look, I mean, we we haven't heard much uh, since the um, the live deal. PGA live merger, whatever you want to call it, restructuring. There's still, uh, from what we've heard about the court filings and whatnot and the investigations is that there's just a lot, there's a lot up in the air that basically their agreement was, we're not going to fight each other anymore and we're going to work something out. Um, so we'll see what further details come out. But I, I think we speculated a lot last time. There's really not much to add here. Um, it is funny that one of the, the provisions that they were talking about was that Greg Norman would have to be fired. Uh, so he was really just put up as the fall guy, which uh, I, don't, I don't think was a surprise to anyone. I guess I'll quickly touch on major venues next year and might as well, you know, touch on something. So masters, obviously, um, PGA championship is at Valhalla. So that is always produced exciting uh, finishes, exciting events. So we'll see if that trend continues. Perhaps it's a little bit different because it's a May. Uh, it's in May as opposed to August. U.S. Open is at Pinehurst, which I know John is not a fan of. I'm a little bit more positive on that course, but they're having it there way too often. It's going to be at Pinehurst three times in the next 11 years, which doesn't make sense, frankly. Um and then Royal Troon, which the last time we saw that was the great Henrik Stenson, Phil Mickelson duel. So maybe we'll get some drama there. But, um, you know, other than that, listen, we got a couple um, relatively uh, low leverage events coming up before the FedEx Cup playoffs. The golf will wrap up before the NFL starts, which is always a good thing because, you know, it's the last two weeks of the FedEx Cup were always just pointless. No one was watching them. So that's good. I'm sure we'll get some exciting golf, but, um, you know, that's one of the things about this new schedule is that even though it's only like a few, it's only a few more weeks, but it just, it seems much longer now it's July and we got to wait till April, 2024, but before we see a major again, that's a long wait. So I don't know where, you know, baseball's not very exciting this year. The, the New York locals are both not very good. The Red Sox are in the mix for a wild card, but they're not going to do anything in the mm -hmm. playoffs, honestly. So I don't know. I'm sort of ticking down the days, uh, college football and seeing Sam Hartman, uh, lineup 
under center for Notre Dame and see what he can do. <laughs> and then in the NFL side, you got Brett Favre going for the Jets. So it's going to be. I was kind of just curious, just off the top of your head, like how what would your what would your expected win total be for the Jets this year? And I was thinking like eight. I think you meant Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets, but say? it's okay, Dave. Brett Favre went to the Jets too, so. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I meant Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, sorry. Earth. I mean, I would. I saw the Jets over under win total is like not ten and a half. I think mm-hmm. I'd go under on that. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. Even with like extended schedule, I, I definitely think it'd be under that for sure, for sure. But it'd probably be close. It'd probably be like seven or eight or nine. Probably gonna be around there. Okay, uh, John. Uh, just uh, anything you want to add as far as the weeks, uh, the weeks ahead in golf. Yeah, I mean, I do like this course coming up in Minnesota for the 3M Open. Um, there's just lakes everywhere. I mean, it, they call it the land of a thousand lakes for a reason, uh, you know, Minnesota. But, yeah, every cold, there's like a, a lake on the course. You remember last year, um, Scott Piercy had like a six-shot lead, you know, going around the back nine, and he just completely imploded, finding like lake after lake. And then uh, Tony Finau ended up winning. So it was actually – you know, the field isn't great. It's actually better than I thought it was going to be, but the course is pretty intriguing. Like the 18th hole is like a crazy par five. Like it just goes completely around a lake and it's like very risk reward where you can, you know, uh, lay up to the, to the left and then just kind of wedge, or you can just take a, like a wood over directly over the lake. It, it produces some good drama. So um, it's a, it's an interesting course anyway. I just kind of wish the field was a little better, but I'll, I'll be into it. I told you I already bet uh, Sepp Straka. I'll probably make a few other bets uh, before Thursday. Um, yeah, Wyndham's always interesting just because of the guys qualifying or not qualifying for the FedEx playoffs, which are now 70 for the first tournament in Memphis, as opposed to the um, previous 125, which I don't I don't agree with. I thought it was much better with 125, but whatever. It is what it is. And then they're going to go down to 50 for the BMW, which used to be 70, and then um, the standard 30 for the Tour Championship. Um, you know, and then I guess the, the tournaments in the fall, that, that schedule is out, are going to be kind of, a, you know, the guys that didn't make the top 70, you're basically playing to get to stay in the top 125 and keep your tour card for, for next year. And then, like, and then the FedEx Cup season will start on January 1st rather than have, like, this wraparound business, like, with points accruing in the fall. Like, whatever happens in the fall and where you are at, like, say, November 30th, that's like your position, you know, for next year, whether you kept your card or not. So I don't know if they're going to be awarding FedEx Cup points or how, how that's going to work. Um, but, you know, there's some system in place. And, yeah, like Mike said, we still do not have a schedule for 2023. Um, usually it would come out right about now, maybe like next week at the latest. So clearly there's, you know, they're waiting to see what happens here with this whole um you know, uh, court situation with Liv, uh, because they got to be working on something here with these, with these two fours. It'd be very interesting to see what they come up with, but they really can't hold off that long. I mean, you know, these venues and, and people have to have to make plans. So um going to be very interesting to see when that when that comes out, the 2024 PGA Tour schedule. So, yeah, interesting next month of golf. And, um, you know, the Tour Championship ends – uh, August 27th. So we'll have a little week zero college football the day before um, just to kind of wet our whistle. And then the following week, we're we're right into it with um, Labor Day weekend and week one of college football. So we're, you know, we, we made it through the summer and it's going to be it's going to be great. So, yeah, enjoy golf for the next month and take you right into football season. I hear it. I love it. I love it. And then um, 
So let's look at the FedEx Cup in general, since we're not going to get to speak together for a while, as far as golf is concerned. Like, let's let's look at the FedEx Cup. Do you have any predictions? Who do you think is going to win, Mike? I mean, I, I have no idea, Dave. The way the FedEx Cup works is they just they give you so many points for winning a FedEx Cup event that, in theory, anyone who gets into that top 70 could win it. Um, I mean, gun to my head, I would guess Scotty Scheffler would probably get off the schneid with his putting a little bit. I think uh, TPC Southwind, followed by Olympia Fields with the way that Scotty Scheffler strikes the ball, will give him more of an edge than he normally would have. So he picks up a win or two there, and away he goes. And we know that Rory always seems to do well um, in the FedEx Cup, so... I would say those are your top two, but because of the way the point system works, um, yeah, it's very volatile. So it, it it's hard to say, but you know, if you were, well, if you were a betting man, you might not bet on them because they'll, you, you won't think that the odds are worth it. And speaking of get to go back to something, how the hell was Rory plus six, anywhere from plus funny five twenty five to plus six fifty at the open. That makes no sense makes no sense if you wanted to put rory as the overwhelming favorite to finish top five or even top three i would have gotten that but those odds did not make sense i mean that was kind of verging on like tiger woods post uh knee surgery and uh sex scandal and everything then where it was just why are his odds that but anyway i would say that those two are probably the uh if you if you put a gun to your head and said who's going to win the FedEx Cup and one of those two would be your choice, I would think solid picks because if you I mean the front end of the season was all was all was all Scheffler, so it, it makes a lot of sense. He's still, he's been in the mix a lot this year, so it, it's it's a pretty solid pick, I think. Um, John, what would your predictions be if you have any? Yeah, I mean you can't go wrong with those two guys. I mean, throw Augusta kind of an oddball out there. Maybe Patrick Cantlay. He seems to do well in the playoffs. Um, I don't know, like ask me after the BMW championship, because then you'll know the starting strokes for the, the tour championship. And then you really can make a prediction, but, um, yeah, anyone who wins the first event, if the, even if they're like, you know, 55th, they're going to leap to like in the top three. So it's kind of tough to really make a prediction, but yeah, this, this event, um, the open was the first time Scheffler had finished outside of the top 12 since last like October. So he's just incredibly consistent. He's probably going to, you know, He's going to start in the top three. So, you know, if he finishes like, you know, third, third in the first two events, he's going to be right there to, to win it in Atlanta. So um, you can't go wrong with that choice. But let me just bring up, you know, we had a, a little bit of time, what happened at the Scottish Open, and not just Rory winning the, the tournament in just dramatic fashion, stealing it away from um, Robert McIntyre, which was would have been a huge story. But the complete disgrace of them pushing up tee times due to wind in Scotland, a course that is on the water, built and designed to handle heavy winds. And the PGA Tour is moving up tee times. So basically your entire audience in America could not watch this event live from start to finish. Like, yeah, if you got up early enough, you could watch the last few holes. But when you had coverage planned to go to three o'clock in the afternoon and you completely buried it two days in a row, 
Um, just a horrible, horrible job. I don't know who made that decision, but that person should be fired because um, the Open Championship would have never done that. Uh, and we, we know that for sure. They, they would play, literally balls would have to be moving, um, you know, inches on the greens for that to happen. And um, just a complete horrible, horrible decision by the PGA Tour and ruined like a really great event that could have been uh, must-see television uh, with Rory making that comeback and inverting the last two holes to win. So uh, just completely uh, mishandled by the PGA Tour. Yeah, I can't disagree on that. Um, so, uh, Mike, wait, did we get in? Are we? Yeah, Mike, I'm, I'm sure you have some thoughts on this too. Well, not... I will just um, say that was well put by John. Yeah, I'm not sure what they were doing. Mm -hmm. I guess it was too much of a panic over not wanting there to be a delay the week prior to a major championship. But I will say that a few years ago, it seemed like after all the uproar about what would happen when you would move times up, where people were just like, this is ridiculous. It's not on live TV. What are you doing? That they they figured out oh I, I remember this happening a few years ago where they're like okay you know what the cbs coverage is on the golf channel and we're showing it live and they did that for a year and i guess whoever the suits are were just like no we're not doing that anymore not happening so that is that's made the you know the coverage quality worse now for me that's not a big deal i have a smart tv now so i literally just took my laptop plugged in cbssports.com and just cast it to the TV. But, you know, the, the golf audience trends older. You know, a lot of them are people who would, uh, you know, like write down a list of the NFL Network's top 50 greatest players and then physically mail it to Mike Francesa. <laughs> you get those types watching the events. Yeah. And they're not going to know how to do that. So, uh, look, if you're going to do that, one, only do it if you really need to do it. And like John said, why do you need to do it on a Lynx course in Scotland? It doesn't make sense. And if you're going to do it, you, you got to make it easier to watch. You can't have Rory McIlroy having one of the great finishes of his non, like, of non-major events in his career and not have it on live TV. It's just with the way the world works now, you can't do that. Right, right. No, it, it, very well said, everybody. Like I, I can't, I, I can't add anything to that. I mean, just a terrible job out of the powers that be in that scenario. Um, all right, so time for final thoughts. This is certainly a very early time for this, but, but um, nonetheless, uh, we'll go to Mike and uh, go ahead and wrap, wrap, wrap us up, and we'll go to John too. Ooh, what do I have to say here? Um, honestly, not very much. We're just. You know, we're still in this very much this state yeah. of flux like we were uh, last time we spoke, where we know that there's a pending merger between the PGA Tour and uh, the Saudi Public Investment Fund. And, you know, we expect that golf is going to be radically different. I don't know how much different it will actually be next year. Maybe the first time you really start to see something is like fall 2024. Maybe they integrate not exactly the live model, but some sort of like team like thing as a few exhibit. I don't know if they'll call them exhibition tournaments in the fall. Uh, so I don't know. We're, we're still here on this precipice of change and we don't know exactly what direction uh, things are going to go in. So like John alluded to, we'll all be looking very carefully to see what developments there are 
when more details come out and um, what the future of Liv is. Is it folded? Um, what the tour schedule is and what happens with the players who left. So a lot of questions. Um, that's a lot of questions that are of the type and kind that was not something that we were considering a few years ago. So that's where we are. We're yeah. um, on the verge of the unknown and uh, hopefully we get some answers um, over the next several months before we're, before they're off playing in Hawaii um, to yeah. kick off 2024. Yeah. A lot of uncertainty indeed, Mike. Uh, I, I can't argue. Yeah, for sure. And, and you're uncertain. Sometimes, it, you know, change can be exciting, but definitely there's just a little bit more eerie than not. But there could be some excitement in it, too. So we'll see. Uh, John, let's get your final thoughts. Yeah, couldn't have said it much better. Um, pretty dull season. Well, the last two majors were a little bit dull. But, uh, although, you know, Wyndham Clark, um, you know, he could have he could have lost it there on the back nine. But, yeah, um, you can't always get these unbelievable finishes and, you know, jam-packed leaderboards in golf, you kind of take what you can get. And, you know, Harmon was certainly impressive to, to wrap up the golf calendar and, you know, hats off to him. And yeah, we're just in a kind of state of flux with the, um, the live PGA merger and we'll see where it takes us. And, you know, I'm just fascinated to see what happens with the, the PGA schedule or live schedule, whatever they want to call it in the next, um, next year, if there's going to be any adjustments or like Mike said, we're going to be waiting until maybe, know the end of 24 to see if anything happens so yeah enjoy the last month of golf and um you know we'll we'll just take it from there and, and keep an eye on things i like it uh, thank you again for doing this mike and john i appreciate uh, you bringing bringing such good insight into the table and it's, it's especially valuable when the tournament really isn't that juicy at all and that's kind of that's pretty much what we had this time so i appreciate your your time Mike, have a great rest of your summer. I hope it's a fun time or it's a good time. Same thing to you, John. And uh, thanks for doing these. Like This has been great. Great to hear from Andy, too. Uh, have a good rest of your week, and, and we'll see each other again soon, I hope. Take care, guys. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, John. Thanks, Mike. Take it easy. All right. Yeah, John and Mike back at it again. Yeah, that was... That was pretty good stuff. Like, you know, it, we, we wrap another season of golf coverage on... Uh, on the corner um and you know through all the iterations of the podcast we've had it's it's gone through a lot of great moments and but sometimes they, you end up with tournaments like this one and and it's great that we can still get some really good some really good you know insight and analysis out of it and so uh it's always great to have mike and john and andy um join us for all these for all the scenarios so uh, that's it for us tonight um those of you watching us live on YouTube, you can keep us, you can come back, you can join us on the sandwich show over on Twitch. So we're going to go back to Twitch uh, at the top of the hour. And we're going to play some mini golf. We're going to play golf with your friends. Um, and um, if you want to join us, twitch.tv slash Davey's eating a sandwich. But everyone else, it's been fun. Thank you again for joining us. If you missed any part of it, the replay of this episode will be on YouTube at this exact spot, this exact link. Um, and for those of you who are listening to the podcast on our various platforms, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you can catch a video replay of this show on YouTube. Just look for at Davies Eating a Sandwich on YouTube, and you can find the Sandwich Corner there. Don't forget, we're also on, as mentioned, we, we have our regular Sandwich Show live streaming schedule over on twitch.tv slash Davies Eating a Sandwich, and I'm available on socials too. Look for the same handle. 
This has been a blast. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us this e this evening. Take care of yourselves, and we'll see you next time.